It is time for our midday program here on KRVN on this cloudy and chilly Monday. Thank you so much for joining us here. Jason Jorgensen's in here. Bob Brogan, Susan Littlefield. I'm Scott Foster as we lead you through these next couple hours of information that you need uh, on your production agricultural business and really in any business. Let's uh, start off with Susan Littlefield, see what she's got for us. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Kicking it all off at 1219, Steve Nelson joins me as he talks about the current state of the livestock industry in Nebraska. Steve, of course, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. Alex will step in at 1245 at the barn market with Marla Anders. We'll find out more details from her. And then wrapping it up at 117, I'll speak with DeKalb Asgrove technical agronomist Brent Wolken. A good news, it didn't get as cold as they had predicted over the weekend, but there might still be some concerns for the crop we'll get all those details coming up over the midday from the farm team all right thanks thanks susan appreciate it uh cold chilly evenings felt a little bit more like football weather but uh baseball is talking a little bit now about maybe what they want to do jason you know over the course of all of this they've sent up some trial balloons and it seems like every time they've sent something up then it's been shot down <laughs> wouldn't happen but their their latest proposal that they're trying to get done is potentially a start an 80 game season in early july most of these games will be divisional games or they will be next to the closest division of the other league so they try to basically try to keep people from traveling as much as possible but they're going to submit this to the union tomorrow see if conditions will allow major league baseball maybe to get started sounds like if it does start whenever it does start it would be in empty stadiums Mm -hmm. and then they hope by the uh, the end of the season into the playoffs maybe uh, people could be there again so a truncated spring opening, you know, a couple of weeks maybe to get back in shape, I suppose? Or do they I think just they're just dying it? to try to get something on TV. So. That's yeah. where the big money is at. And, of course, there's, there's room for those games, so we won't touch on that. Also, and maybe the worst-kept secret of this spring, Monday Night Football will look dramatically different next year. As play-by-play play man Joe Testashore and color man Booger McFarlane, they will no longer be a part of that broadcast. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but what a thankless job to do Monday Night Football. And, it, and if you ask me, that entire series died when they moved it from ABC to ESPN. And Al Michaels left. To me, it's never been no. Monday Night Football again. And the games have not been good for a while. No, they don't get the, the pick of the litter like they used to. And NBC Sunday Night Football has certainly overtaken Monday yeah. Night Football. But... Thankless job. My my favorite booth was Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, and Dan Deardorff. Really, I, I liked those three as not, a kid. Not Howard. Not Howard. I just remember him vaguely. I mean, okay. he he quit by eighty five. That's true. You did. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, let's turn turn it over to Bob Brogan. What what say you? Well, on Wall Street, the S and P slipped six tenths of a percent in the first few minutes of trading this morning, following following drops in Europe and a mixed performance in Asia. Switzerland has begun a gradual return closer to normal amid a recent decline in confirmed coronavirus cases. And last but certainly not least, uh, folks with face masks were streaming into Shanghai's Disneyland today as they reopened China's most prominent theme park. So I wish I could be there, but I'll I'll have to pass. Jason? Way to pull a hard Cosell bobbin, telling it like it is. That's right. (laughs) 
11.44, time for us to check in on weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got uh, Paul Perkins in here. We are desperately looking right now <laughs> for some sunshine in the state of Nebraska. Any luck so far? Have you and, found any? No. no. It's, no it's, we're uh, pretty much being locked into a wall-to-wall cloud cover across it, it the area. looks like it. Even if, even if there were something clearer, it's filtered. You know, <laughs> So maybe if you're in Omaha or Fremont, but otherwise, uh, yeah. Just get used to it. We have one of those odd uh, meteorological moments where record low highs may be in in play today. Exactly, yeah. Uh, usually we are see- actually this time of year we're seeing average daytime highs around 70 with overnight lows on average in the upper 40s. But today uh, we're going to be many locations lucky to get out of the 40s, which wow. could be a record cool high for the date. Not as cool as in stylish or hip. No, not good. <laughs> but, not cool at all. Uh, yeah. So record oh. low high wow. is kind of an oxymoron. Oh, but, yeah, but I always like to call it record cool high for the day or record cool maximum. So, Jeez. yeah, never has a May date this late been that cold. So, it's, basically. It's, well, you're talking, you're looking maybe 20 to 30 degrees below the seasonal right now exactly yeah 20 degrees below normal still for probably tomorrow and uh you know probably about 25 degrees below normal for today across the area and that's after some chilly temperatures over the weekend we didn't see of course some chilly temperatures yesterday morning when we a lot of us uh, got down into the low mid-20s in the nebraska panhandle a lot of us were right around uh, or just uh, below freezing this morning also some chilly temperatures that made it down to 29 in imperial and wayne at opposite ends of the state there for some of the chilliest readings so close to a hard freeze in some of those areas right now our temperatures pretty much in the upper 30s to low 40s and actually the cooler areas which is uh, you don't see this very often is over northeast colorado southwest nebraska and northwest kansas with temperatures right now in the upper 30s but most of us more so in low and mid 40s but right around 50 where they probably are seeing some sunshine on into the omaha area a little bit of light rain getting squeezed from the clouds north of grand island mind about the st paul area to york maybe just some sprinkles also some sprinkles in north central kansas in between Hill City and Concordia, but most of the rain right now continues to be over southern Kansas from about Joaquin and Salina to the points to the south. We will see that rain coverage so expand from the southwest today thanks to approaching low pressure, keeping our weather on the unsettled side, abundant clouds resulting in near record cool highs for today in the 40s to low 50s. Tonight through the weekend, staying unsettled with off and on rain and thunderstorm chances. That's the short story of this here. Some snow could mix in later tonight with overnight lows into the 30s. Tomorrow afternoon, we could actually see a few breaks in the clouds, maybe some peaks of sunshine. Highs tomorrow, though, still on the cool side, 20 degrees below normal. But more seasonal temperatures are on the way by Wednesday as we see a noticeable warm-up just ahead of low pressure and a cold front. A few strong to severe storms are a possibility Wednesday afternoon into the overnight. One of the other likely periods for rain and thunderstorms is Friday through Saturday and then decreasing chances by Sunday. Rainfall totals not going to be great over the next five days. We're going to see these multiple chances of rain, but in central and eastern Nebraska, only looking at the potential of about a half an inch of rain total the next five days. It's just going to stay on the cool and settled side. The better chance of higher amounts in southeast and western Nebraska and much of Kansas where we could see rainfall totals of around an inch to an inch and a half the next five days. A strong ridge of high pressure does move overhead the middle of next week. We will see a warm-up into the 80s, so 
right from the cooler temperatures to summer-like levels. That's, that's the way we have spring and summer around here. It may be hot. It may be cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Exactly. Right, right. More storms possible by the end of next week. Warmer temperatures definitely in our long-term forecast. A likelihood of above-normal temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. this weekend through May 24th. And May 24th, the Sunday before Memorial Day. Near normal to slightly above-normal rainfall in the outlook this weekend through the 24th for Nebraska and Kansas. The Nebraska soil temperatures at 7 this morning and 4 inches down in the low to mid-40s. Kansas soil temperatures in the mid-40s to around 50. <coughs> Nebraska soil um, key weather factors getting the attention of the markets include some mid to late week rain from the Midwest and favorable rain for the Southern Plains. Producers as far south as the Central Plains are watching the winter wheat for signs of freeze entry in the wake of some scattered weekend frost. Cool weather is slowing down the crop development, including summer crop emergence in the wake of widespread weekend freezes in the Corn Belt. Producers continue to watch the emerged corn and soybeans, some of which were severely impacted by temperatures as low as 20 to 25. A final surge of unusually cold air will engulf areas east of the Rockies through midweek, followed by some rapid warming. Before the central and eastern U.S. begin to warm up, Frost and freezes will continue to threaten crops the next couple of nights in parts of the Midwest, Ohio Valley, and Appalachians. For the Midwest, a couple of dry days expected before moderate to heavy rain Wednesday and Thursday. More rain will continue Friday with some plenty possible, which could lead to some replanting. In the Southern Plains, rain early this week benefiting the developing winter wheat. Additional rain expected through Wednesday and possibly at the end of the week. Some areas may actually pick up an inch or more. Morning lows below freezing may be a concern for developing to reproductive wheat in Nebraska through tomorrow morning. Kansas may be just far enough south to not have any issues, but should be watched in the northwest part of Kansas. All right. Very good. Well, (laughs) it'll be... We'll have a lot this week, so we're going to kind of be all over the place, aren't we? Yeah, basically just kind of unsettled, right. not going to see a lot of rain, and definitely on the cool side today and tomorrow, but finally by Wednesday, a little more normal like on the temperatures. And a chance for maybe we'll see a couple of thunderstorms build through that too, maybe? Exactly, yeah. Wednesday, when we see that one, a cold front move through, that's when that potential is, but once again, probably not big, looking at big rainmakers with okay. those. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. There's a lot of continued uncertainties when it comes to the cattle market. We've seen the social media posts of producers trying to sell livestock because there's no place with packing plants closed. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Even as some of these packing plants start to reopen, it is still a concern for the livestock industry. As I spoke with Steve Nelson, Steve is president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau Association. Well, there's a huge level of concern uh, out in the countryside, uh, it really in every type of agriculture production here in Nebraska. And we, if you, whatever commodity is that we're producing there's some negative effect related to COVID-19 obviously with the grains we we typically don't market the the grains there at least this year's production till later in the year but there are people that have last year's production that they've been holding on to for cash flow purposes or whatever and so everyone is affected to one degree but certainly those who have livestock stock and have livestock that's ready for market. This is this is about as bad as it can get when you're not able to 
uh, deliver animals that are ready for market, uh, uh, irregardless of the price, let alone uh, the fact that 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 you're being hurt financially, that there's just no place to go, and so we're you know producers are really struggling with that. I know that that a lot of producers, a lot of pork producers especially, are working very hard to to try to either slow down gains or to find space for a few animals here or there to do something to to uh, extend the time before they would have to make some significant decisions and and hopefully the, the, I mean the longer we can do that combined with the fact that the faster we can bring processing back up to uh, more near full capacity uh, the better off that we'll be and so just exactly how that all plays out of course we don't know but we're in some very critical and very difficult times here for producers all across the state. Though the financial hit that's there for these producers is going to have a ripple effect that I think many haven't thought about as of yet. Well, I, you know, I, I, I suppose that that's true, although as the people that I've talked to are certainly thinking about it. I was on a call today, too, with American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval and other presidents from around the country, and Colin Peterson was on uh, from the the House Ag Committee, and you know, and he was talking about some of the issues that they're dealing with in trying to to look forward and see what the needs are going to be. And you know, as I've been telling folks, I think that we're just going to have needs that that we've never seen before to in order to help producers get through this and to survive what's happening. Of course, both in the livestock. Uh, uh, production areas as well as in the in the grain production side of the business we've got ethanol that's that's in that's hurting badly here and of course that affects cattle producers it affects corn producers got all kinds of things going on and and so a lot of it still comes back to how how fast that we can rebound from this we need to to get the economy going but we need that needs to happen in a in a relatively safe way too and of course you if we watch the national media there's a lot of discussion about how that happens but but certainly uh, you know when we look at the ethanol side of it we're you know until we have some demand there uh, from the driving public why that that sector is going to to, to really struggle, and of course that hurts, again, the cattle industry as well. My conversation with Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Only, a recap of the weekend headlines. We'll also hear from track and field coach Gary Pepin. That and our weekend winners headed your way tonight here on Sports Nightly. Listen tonight on the longest-running Husker affiliate, 880-KRVN. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Major League Baseball continues to try to inch towards a possible starting date. The MLB is expected to submit a plan to the union tomorrow, and representatives from each club will also conduct a conference call today with Commissioner Rob Manfred. Now, the hope at this point is to play a truncated season of 80 games or so beginning in early July. Teams would only face divisional rivals in the same geographic division in the other league to keep games regional. Teams would open up the year in as many home parks as possible. That would cut down on travel and allow players and personnel to easily isolate at home with their families. NCAA President Mark Emmert says the virus is making it unlikely that all schools will be ready to begin competing in college sports at the same time. 
Emmert says the goal is for every team to have an equal amount of preparation time before its season starts, but there could be some competitive differences caused by schools having various timelines for reopening campuses. Well, contrary to reports earlier this spring, not all of the Husker baseball seniors will return next year to take advantage of the extra season offered up by the NCAA. Kearney High School graduate Ty Roseberry indicated on social media that he's moving on after graduation. Roseberry started his career at UNK and then transferred to Nebraska. Before this year was cut off, he played in 12 games, was hitting 211 with eight hits, including a home run. Last year, he appeared in 14 games, going 5 for 20 with a homer. Well, the American Legion National Headquarters is suspending all of the remaining 25 states from American League Baseball this summer. That means that all states are not allowed to have organized seasons run by the American Legion. Now, the announcement from the National Headquarters doesn't say that the teams can't play, but if they do, they won't be sponsored by American Legion Baseball. And Joe Testashore and Booger McFarland will not return to the ESPN Monday Night Football booth as the network looks to improve its crew heading into next year. The Athletic reported over the weekend that the new hires will come from within ESPN, but the decisions have not yet been made who those replacements will be. Testashore and McFarlane are both expected to remain in prominent roles at the network. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Governor Pete Ricketts says the state is probably in the best shape it's been in since the COVID-19 pandemic started. Ricketts tells the Rural Radio Network. Last week, we started ramping up the testing with testnebraska.com, and we encourage everybody to sign up for that, testnebraska.com. And uh, we rolled it out in Omaha and Grand Island, uh, also in Lincoln on Friday. And this week, we'll be in Schuyler, so we'll have four of our six mobile teams that will be set up. We're also ramping up our contact tracing. So we've got a couple hundred people trained right now on our way to get up to 1,000 people that will be doing that contact tracing. And so those two things go together. We identify people who have tested positive through the testing, and then our contract tracers follow up with them to make sure they're isolating. Ricketts says the state also has been ramping up its quarantine facilities. 43 individuals who work in the food processing industry are taking advantage of facilities located in Omaha, Lincoln, Kearney, and Grand Island. Ricketts says the state is in good shape for personal protective equipment as well, such as gloves and masks, but could use more gowns. Nebraska health officials have reported two more COVID-19 deaths in the state, bringing the total since the outbreak began to 98. Of the two deaths reported on Sunday, one was in Douglas County, and no information was immediately available on the second death. The state is also reporting more confirmed cases of the coronavirus. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services said the number of confirmed cases in the state increased by more than 80 on Sunday to 8,315. The actual number of infections is thought to be far higher because many people have not been tested. A 55-year-old Kearney man was taken into custody following a Thursday evening pursuit on Dawson County. Shortly before 8 p.m., the Dawson County Sheriff's Office was notified of a Kozad Police Department pursuit of an eastbound vehicle on Highway 30. Deputies intercepted the vehicle on Interstate 80 and continued at speeds of 90 miles an hour. The vehicle exited at the Lexington exit and stopped. The driver took off again into Lexington and then stopped at a trailer park just southeast of Lexington, where the driver, Oliver Bush Jr., was taken into custody without incident. 
A records check indicated Bush had four Dawson County warrants, two convictions, and one prior flight to avoid arrest conviction. Bush was arraigned in Dawson County Court Friday morning on charges of operating a motor vehicle to avoid arrest, his second offense, driving under suspension and possession of drug paraphernalia. His bond was set at 10% of $10,000 and preliminary hearings set for May 15th in Dawson County Court. Bush's previous arrest warrants in Dawson County include separate theft by shoplifting charges. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. An event that thousands of Nebraskans look forward to every year has made an exciting announcement for 2020. I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Marla Anders. She is the co-founder of the Barn Festival that took place southwest of Hastings, Nebraska, for 25 years. Last year, they made 2019 the last year for the Barn Festival. It was a tough decision, but when the pandemic began to hurt small businesses, Marla, you decided to launch a condensed version of the Barn Festival, and you're calling it the Barn Market. Tons of people are so excited for this announcement because they thought last year was the last time they were going to be able to go. So tell us more about the barn market. Yes, we we said our goodbyes last year, and we we thought we were really saying our goodbyes. Um, It was always our hope, and still is actually, that we can pass this on to someone else. But my husband did pass away March 11th, which, of course, that was unexpected. But we were actually in the midst, Brian was just in the midst of, you know, fighting for his life, basically, in Lincoln. And we did get an offer uh, from someone who was interested in in purchasing the business. And we couldn't really think clearly at that point. So, So we let it go. And then, of course, right around the corner, um, after Brian passed away, was the pandemic. And so after everything was shut down, I started hearing from our vendors, our barn vendors, and my goodness, I mean, this was so devastating for all of them, but these are people that travel the country with their goods in a trailer, and they have a lot of product in those trailers. So anyhow, like I said, things evolve around here. We never know what's going to happen next, so I've kind of made things easier for myself and decided to just just fill both sides of the road with pop-up vendors. So that means that there will be more vendors than what the customers are used to. So that's why we called it the Barn Market instead of the Barn Festival. You mentioned this this is not the Barn Festival. This is not the traditional Barn Festival. How exactly is it different and what, what are attendees going to come into? They're going to come into a very similar situation as what they were used to at the Barn Festival. Um, there's still a $5 admission, and they will walk into the onto the properties, and they'll, st- they'll still see 
I want to say 98% of the same pop-up vendors, okay? Pop-up vendors were thrilled for this opportunity. And, and then a lot of our barn vendors were also thrilled for the opportunity. It's a little different setup for them because they will come and set up their own little space. And some of our vendors have taken substantially more space because they know that they do quite well when they come out here. So they were happy to, to uh, fill more space with more product that they, they produce. And your barn festival usually takes place in September. Is that the same case for the barn market? Yeah. Now, there's a difference there, too, because instead of doing it for two weekends in a row, we're just doing it for one weekend. So, yeah, we're going to add the Thursday. And it's in the past few years, our Thursday was more of a special preview day for customers that would like to spend a little more money for that first day but we're not doing that we're going to make it just across the board the admission will be the same but we are adding thursday and we're increasing our hours just a little bit too so on friday and saturday we'll be opening at nine instead of ten and yeah thursday's ten to six i believe and then sunday's from ten to five so very good Marla, do you have a favorite memory from your time at the Barn Festival and and hosting all of this? Gosh, the favorite memory I have overall is the last day, the last hour, when my husband and I could sit on a straw bell and just sigh a breath of relief because we got through it. (laughs) I mean, that seriously was always the best when we could do that and go wow i mean of course we enjoyed it while it was happening but when we could could finally sit down together and and seriously i mean it's months of preparation you know and so i know it's going to be a lot of preparation you know for the barn market no doubt (laughs) but um i think that that what we've come up with is going to really be a win-win for everyone. I think, you know, the customers are going to love it. The vendors are going to absolutely love it. It's allowing us to to invite more vendors to participate. And uh, and it's something I, that we can handle. <clears throat> you know, it's something it's something we that would be doable, you know. Even though Brian isn't here with us, we we can handle this. Well, Marla, as we round out this conversation, what's the best way to stay connected with you and keep up to date with all of this information about the upcoming barn market? I would say Facebook by far is, is that's about the only way that I even communicate with our customers. We do have an email list that we send out to on occasion, but really the, if they just go to the Facebook page and follow us, they're going to they're gonna get in on everything. I mean, I do Instagram too which, you know, that's pretty decent, too. All right. Great information. Well, thanks so much, Marla, for joining us. Well, thank you. Once again, we've been joined by Marla Anders. She is the co-founder of the Barn Festival, as they've just announced that they're going to host a condensed version. They're calling it the Barn Market, and that'll be held the weekend of September 24th through the 27th at the regular location that's southwest of Hastings. 
Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The 2020 Census is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum. Join us Tuesday, May 19th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain on 880 KRVN. Guests include Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, UNK Professor Dr. Peter Longo, a representative from the Center of Public Affairs and more. We'll learn about the importance of the census, the impacts on rural communities, notably on the agricultural sector, challenges faced by officials to ensure everyone is counted, and more. The 2020 Census on the next Rural Radio Forum. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 slipped six-tenths of a percent in the first few minutes of trading this morning following drops in Europe and a mixed performance in Asia. But the S&P was down just 14 points at 10.53 a.m. Eastern Time to 2,916. Switzerland has begun a gradual return closer to normal amid a recent decline in confirmed coronavirus cases. The government today relaxed nearly two months of restrictions that had closed schools and most businesses. Geneva's Old City Shopping District got a bit more bustle as kids returned to classes, stores reopened their doors, and downtown eateries got back to business by erecting partitions between tables and taking other steps. Russian President Vladimir Putin has declared an end to a nationwide partial economic shutdown, but notes that some restrictions will remain. Putin, speaking in a televised address to the nation today, says it will be up to regional governors in the far-flung Russian Federation to determine what industrial plants could reopen starting Tuesday. He says it's essential to preserve jobs and keep the economy running, provided that workers strictly observe sanitary norms. Indonesia's foreign minister says the country faces a fresh wave of COVID-19 infections with the return of migrant workers and cruise ship employees. The foreign minister says about 90,000 Indonesian migrant workers have already returned to the country since the coronavirus outbreak from several countries, including nearly 73,000 from neighboring Malaysia alone. Visitors wearing face masks streamed into Shanghai Disneyland today as China's most prominent theme park reopened in a new step toward rolling back anti-coronavirus controls that shut down its economy. The park, which closed January 25th, will limit visitors and is keeping some attractions closed in line with social distancing guidelines. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Even though it didn't get as cold as what many had predicted over the weekend, there's still some concerns out there for the crop. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke earlier today with DeKalb Asgro technical agronomist Brent Wolken as we looked first at the corn and then the soybeans. Yeah, so the emerged corn obviously isn't as big. Of, corn itself isn't as big of an issue with the frost coming through because all of our corn, the growing point, is still under the ground yet. Um so you you know you, it's possible we could see some wilting, a little bit of browning, water soaked looking leaves on on the corn that's emerged. But um, for the most part, all the growing points are still under the ground, so we should corn seedlings will will be able to recover from that. Um, you know the bigger the bigger watch out would be beans right now, just because if the beans are emerged, you know once the cotyledons out of the ground, the growing points out of the ground, and, and if the if that growing point does get frosted and get froze it, it, the bean that bean plant will die um it's kind of like with beans though it's kind of like a hail hail event you, you need to wait two to three five days before you make a decision on whether 
you think it's you know valid to replant or not um but you know for the most part a lot of the beans are were still under the ground yet but if you did have some emerged beans that would be a thing to look at so um and then again it did not get as quite as cold as what they were saying which is a good thing you know typically for beans to really get frosted hard you gotta get down to that 28 29 degree range which for the most part across the area doesn't sound like it got quite that cold um so i would assume the majority of the beans should look pretty good yet as with anything uh patience because the ground temperatures and the soil temperatures definitely going to be chillier so don't expect as quick of emergences as one had hoped right correct correct yeah you know back you know you go 10 days ago a week 10 days ago we had ground temperatures into the lower middle 50s um you know, and that, and that has dropped here with this cold snap down into the you know mid to lower 40s. So you know, emergence will be a little bit slower, but you know, ground moisture is good um, as we warm up during the day. I mean, well, the temperature, especially your till ground, will warm up a little bit faster, you know, than than your no-till stuff. Um, so that's something just to keep an eye on. But it sounds like the weather's going to turn around here a little bit towards the end of the week and get a little warmer, warmer again. So I would. Emergence to me, it, I think we'll still have good emergence across across the area as a whole. So really, because we didn't get as cold as we were supposed to, there shouldn't be much of a replant consideration to have to deal with. In my mind, no. Um, again, we're going to have to just wait and see. It's going to be a wait and see kind of a thing. But and my my best guess would be no. We will not have a a major replant event like what we could have possibly had, especially on some of the those you know April planted beans that are that are emerging um, coming out of the ground. I would think we, sh- we should be good for the most part on everything. Do we have any agronomic concerns because of last year and maybe weed control as we get this crop going for 2020? You know, from a weed control standpoint, um, obviously because it was, it, we got such an early plant, we got six gardens on a, on a very timely manner. Um, you know, spraying has been, you know, the retailers have been able to keep up, farmers have been able to keep up spraying-wise, so I haven't seen a lot of big issues from a, a weed standpoint driving across the country and, and being out in fields um you know this cold weather obviously if you're spraying this cold weather makes a difference when spraying because we need weeds actively growing when we're spraying them otherwise they were not taking in any chemistry and we're not going to be able to bring them down that's my conversation with brent walken and of course if you've got concerns we encourage you to talk to your technical agronomist i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network on the World Radio Network. Now joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we're taking a look here at the close, obviously a lot of data now to come out as before we start training tomorrow and then more data out tomorrow as well. But you look at this wheat market, that's not necessarily a close we wanted to see down in Nickel and KC. No, not after a weekend of frost and, and fear of cold wet out east. I, I don't know what to think on it. You know, it's... um. It's the time to sell, but I think we're just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop as far as weather goes. You know, crop progress sports tonight should show some bullishness. I thought last week's would have as well. We didn't get it, so maybe some correction there. Um, the wheat numbers tomorrow probably won't be too bullish. I imagine you're going to see feed numbers higher than what we thought, but we can get a yield number that maybe offsets a little bit of that as well. So I think going in here, I'd like to see a better close, but we held the 475 level tonight. I imagine we'll see another run up to, to 4, 480, and um, all the while, corn and beans will sit idly while we wait for the numbers tomorrow. 
talking about those numbers tomorrow. Is there maybe the possibility that if that corn ending stock or soybean, if they come in below analyst estimates right now where they're predicting that buildup, could this kind of turn this market around and give us a little bit of a run-up with possible planning issues now with this freeze? Definitely. Definitely. I think if the market can get the bad news in a way, I think it just wants to see the number. You know, it's something to work off of here. If it's, uh, I think, if, to be honest with you, the more discount of the number, I think the better the chances for a bounce. I mean, you get a big number, maybe it's bearish, but we hammer a low out the last for another three months. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. From month contracts, I'm not too optimistic on. I'm really, if you're going to buy, you better look at some September. Give yourself a little bit of time. I mean, the spreads are pretty wide anyway, but looking at that market, you know, the, the recent lows would be the target. So September trading 323, you know, if you could get that probably down in towards last week's low, two weeks low near 315. 315 happened to be the number that was where we bottomed out on the previous September contracts back a few years. So um, I think if you're looking for some optimistic bullish bounce, you, you look at it in that contract, maybe December as well. And the beans, you know, the better, the worse the news is for corn, maybe the better it is for soybeans. Uh, soybeans don't have the ethanol demand uh, drag that, that corn does. So, you know, I still think optimistically we see another you know, move up to 930, maybe even as high as 950 here is uh, the summer contracts for Brazil are well higher than here going into the summer. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and published a newsletter this week in Grain. You learn more at their website, danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trained futures and options involved risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consider these risks before investing. And that'll do it for our midday program here on this dreary afternoon. To hear today's midday program, if you missed any of the interviews or any of our segments, listen to the midday podcast brought to you by Javeni Motors at krvn.com or by subscribing to our midday podcast on Spotify or iTunes. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.